You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the ancestors to be with us here today. So I call out to those humans that have gone before us. I call out to your ancestors and to mine, to those people that lived well and died well and learned from the challenges of their time. I call out to these people that hold the legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines. And I call these energies in, these true ancestral helping spirits, to join us the living in the efforts of our own time. May they help us to remember those things which are strong and true and eternal that humans need to be able to show up as better humans. And I ask the ancestors to help us to see clearly those places that need to change, where we need to innovate and use the creativity that unique to the living to do what must be done for our time and for those who are coming. So I call out to these ancestors to come round, to communicate clearly with us and to help us. And I reach out to those ancestors who were here long before they were humans, to those non-human ancestors that share this planet with us, those who were here before us and understand much more simply than we do what it means to surrender to your true nature and to live as part of the oneness, part of the great web of life. And so I ask these ancestors to help us to learn these lessons as well, to help us to understand how to be here in a way that is good for all living things. And in great gratitude for all of this ancestral help, let us take a moment and focus our awareness inward. Let us gather ourselves from wherever we might be on this day and draw our energy into our head and from our head down to our heart and with your next breath from your heart down to your belly. And from the belly, let us reach down to the earth and take a moment and give thanks. Gratitude for your life. Gratitude for the beauty and the wonder and the blessings in your life. And gratitude to the gifts that have come in along your journey that still seem like the hardships. Gratitude for those things we haven't yet understood how to open and, and, and find the way to know them as the blessing that they truly are. For life gives us what we need to become the people that we are meant to be. And we give gratitude for this magic in the journey. We give gratitude to diversity and gratitude for the wonder of life. And with awe in our hearts, with all of that Uh, thanks in many 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 different hearts many many different languages let our awareness move down through all the layers of the earth all the way down into the very center of the earth and in the center let us take a moment and connect to open our awareness out to this energy to stillness and silence and peace into the darkness, into these energies that are that which is before, that which is before all the abundance that we see on the face of the earth, that which is before the diversity, that which is before life. We reach out to this energy that nourishes and restores and replenishes. 
and we reach into this energy and draw it up, bringing up the earth energy into our bodies, into our day, into these proceedings. And may we use this energy well. May we use it to help us learn to ground into the, onto the earth and into our bodies. And may we use this energy to help to come to understand who we are and what we stand for where it is that we stand and how to do so in a way that has such strong center, centered sense of self that we are able to open to those who are different than we are and to understand and to work with those we might see as an enemy and transform these relationships into the allies and the alliances that must be created if we are to understand how to go forward in a truly new way. So may we draw that earth energy in and continue to understand how to connect within ourselves and with others, how to be interconnected as we are with our environment and ultimately with the invisible world. So draw on the earth energy and hope that we could slow down and be quiet and be still in this day just for the moment that allows us to feel our place in the great tapestry of life, our place in the oneness. And may we begin to understand right relationship from our place in that oneness. And with the earth energy moving through us, let us draw that energy up from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts to our minds and rise up through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you. Allow your energy to touch and be touched by that weather and out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos where we touch and are touched by the mysteries of our universe and the wonders and all the heavenly bodies and reach all the way up to those radiant energies from above. Those divine energies that radiate down to us as sunlight, as starlight, as moonlight, in all the many ways that we have imagined this great radiance. And as you touch this highest power of the universe, by whatever name you know it, welcome it in. Know it and welcome it in, it in you and you in it, by whatever way you conceive of this energy. Connect with it and begin to draw it down, drawing into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings, the energy of blessing. The essence energy of protection, drawing that in to refresh and renew your own protective awareness. We draw in the energy of commitment and devotion, inspiration and illumination. And we call in that energy that is all the wisdom of the cosmos. We call that in to us here today. We call in the benevolence of our universe and the beneficence of this great plan. We call it all in, drawing it from our heads to our hearts and our hearts to our bellies and from our bellies down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we connect heaven and earth, the above and the below, through us, opening up our center channel, revitalizing it with these great wise energies and opening ourselves to the big love that is this relationship between earth and sky. And may that big love awaken the love and the spirit of our own hearts. And may the crucible of transformation that lives in our hearts be awakened by this energy. And may it call up the fiery passions of our belly, call down the crystal clarity of our mind, and draw these energies together in the heart and let that dynamic tension of these two energies moving together to give birth to the third and most sacred thing each one of us carries, which is the uniqueness of why we are here. May we feel that or sense it or imagine it, uh, remember it in our own hearts here today. And may you find the courage in that human heart to do something large or small to bring those gifts into manifestation in some way in your day. For great gratitude for all of the energies and all the many kinds of helping spirits that gather around us here today, I give thanks. Thanks. 
And I give thanks to the human spirits that gather around this show. If you're listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is 100% listener supported. We were, again, 100% supported last year, and I am deeply grateful for all of you. I give thanks to Jeffrey and Bell, Mia, Jose, Christy, Lisa, Amanda, and Stephen, and all the listeners who have donated financially to the show. If this show moves you in any way, even if it moves you to frustration and irritation, like many of the shows do, you have been moved in the heart. And I ask you to do this most fundamental of shamanic acts to allow what is moving your heart to move you into action in your life. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that was a lightning strike right over the house. And hopefully... Uh, the spirits of technology will be with us here today, and we will not lose the signal in the midst of this uh, thunder and lightning rainstorm that is passing over my head as, as I speak. So back to the gratitude. I am deeply thankful for all of you that help to pay the bills, to keep the show live and on the air. And I am grateful for those of you that do other things that help the show to grow and the listenership to spread even further around the world. Thank you for sharing the shows. Thank you for commenting on the shows. Thank you for using what you hear on the shows, bringing them into your journey circles, into your practices, and emailing me back and letting, letting me know what questions arise what ideas these spark for how we can continue to evolve in our understanding of the practical application of shamanism in our contemporary lives. So thank you all. If you do want to support the show financially, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. You can donate any amount in any currency. Um, it all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And uh, if you want to set up automatic payment, you can do that in your own PayPal account, and then it's simple. And if you just want to make one-time donation, that's fine. And if you would rather donate in a way other than online, you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I would be happy to send you a regular address for a regular old-fashioned check. It's all helps, and I'm grateful. So we are live today, as long as the... Spirits of Weather and Technology support us in this. And if you have any questions about today's topic, which is why we fear the creative self and what to do about it. So if you have questions about today's topic, you can call in at 512-772-1938. Or you can Skype in from co-creatornetwork.com. Um, or you can simply email me at any time at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And I would be happy to respond to your email your questions either on the air or um, in person. So creativity. We've been talking about creativity from various angles for several weeks now. So creativity is ultimately about energy. Energy stirring, energy rising, energy expressing. It is one of the essences of true of a true yang expression is creativity. It is the transformation of in qi from a yin state to a yang state. The transformation from potential through movement into directed movement and into manifestation and ultimately into creation. So the ancestors told us that creativity is not a temple to be worshipped at. It is actually more like the blood moving through your veins as you worship. It is the sweat that cleanses you while you work hard in the manifestation. It is like the tears that flow when you witness the sacred in joy and in heartbreak. Creativity is not a scarce resource. Creativity is your nature as a human. 
It is everywhere in humanity as natural as blood moving, sweat cleansing, and tears flowing. Creativity is not a temple to be worshipped at. It is you being human. It is you allowing your humanity to come to bear on this life. Creativity is not a temple to be worshipped at. Creativity is you worshipping life. Creativity is an offering to life. Make it. This was a message given by my ancestors as I was working on these creativity shows. And it just reminds me of this really beautiful place in the very beginning of my training time, this is decades ago, with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies and how clearly Michael Harner does teach people about the simplicity of the creative acts. When we are in relationship with spirit, there's always a song wanting to be sung. There is always a poem waiting to be shaped into language. There is always a dance waiting to be danced. There is always energy waiting for a human who has the hands and the voice, the feet, the heart, to bring that energy into manifestation. And that dynamic relationship between the humans and their opposable thumbs and this invisible world that is that is absolutely the lifeblood of shamanic practice. That we are in relationship, direct and intimate with the spirit world. We offer to them what they can't do by giving it hands, feet, heart, voice. And they offer us countless things that allow us to believe in that possibility of who we could be that we have not yet become. To become better humans. And to do that, we have to be able to imagine and to follow up our imagination with action, which is the creative part, and into manifestation. This is a quote from Dieter Fuchdorf. It's one of my favorites that I found looking for ideas about creativity. It says, the desire to create is one of the deepest yearnings of the human soul. And in the show with um, Damini about her book, um, Painting the Landscape of Your Soul, we talked a lot about why we get disconnected from our creativity. But the important thing that... Um, we, shamanic or not, we as humans need to understand is exactly the essence of this quote. The desire to create is one of the deepest yearnings of the human soul. We, to create, allows us to stay in balance, allows us to stay well. It doesn't really matter where that creative expression goes. It just needs to be expressed. So anyway, a couple weeks ago on the Awakening Creativity Show, that was the title, I talked about how from a shamanic perspective, thinking about creativity as a muse or a person can be tricky. Because when we personify or anthropomorphize energies to work with, um, particularly these energies that we call in to help us, um, in our minds, they often develop our, our our human dysfunction, right? And so that's the tricky thing with giving our 
um, spirit help too much personality. However, there are many clients who report asking creativity to come to them as a helping spirit allows them to use their shamanic skills to engage in a working relationship with their muse and to use journeying to connect with, with creativity as a muse. And that is a long-standing tradition. So I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying if you're doing that and it's not working for you, try something else. And in particular, recognize that even before it's a muse, creativity is an essence energy. And so we can work with any essence energy purely as energy in our shamanic work. We don't have to make it be a god or a goddess or a deity or a muse. We can just work with the energy. And since we're talking about an energy that needs to flow and move when we talk about creativity, it's not such a bad idea. Um, So what you want to do is ask your helping spirits to show you creativity in its essence. And then however it is that you experience it in the journey, then to begin to work with it. So this is what we talked about on that show. And that's a, so it's a way of working with creativity so that you're working with your regular helping spirits in your journey and um, coming into right relationship with creativity um, as a sense of energy that's flowing. And so technically, in in journey language, you're working with an artifact, but it allows you to ask questions like, show me why I don't feel my creativity flowing versus getting all worked up about why the muse won't come to you because you're such a horrible person and maybe you should go drink yourself silly. I mean, that's the kind of conversations we get into. And um, I feel sometimes by depersonalizing or de- uh, humanizing energies that really aren't human in the first place, we sometimes can work with them without quite so much personal drama. Uh, so anyway, um, this and this is particularly important if you as a creative person have a history of getting your addictive history wrapped up with your creative history and then the two tend to be linked together in your personal story. And the idea of having to be a starving artist or a crazy addict or some sort of something, you know, I have to be high to create these, these kinds of ideas. And um, again, that's a linking of two different energies in a personal story, which may ultimately get in the way. And so we're talking about ways we can engage with creativity that allows you to circumvent your habit of that story and simply engage in the flow and exchange of energy with creativity as a pure energy. That that is um, so you're moving then in your in your archetypal self versus your personal story self. So whatever your approach to changing your relationship with creativity, um, it it needs to unfold as a process. Um, in other words, Westerners tend to want to craft questions for journeying that give them a, a definitive answer that will fix the problem. It's kind of like looking for a pharmaceutical that will fix the illness that that it's it's this a to b way of thinking whereas shamanism is really at its strongest when it's helping us understand that what is going on is about a relationship and the development of a relationship the healing of a relationship the growth of a relationship whatever you want to call it it is a process and so the more we can think about Um, our creativity is something we're in relationship with and that that is an ongoing process it helps us get out of this the muse is or isn't here 
you know, I'm, I'm feeling creative or I'm not. I'm blocked or I'm not. We get into this very A to B, very mental way of perceiving of it that's really trapped in stories. And it's not always so helpful. So the, the point of today's show, though, in this series of shows about creativity is to really explore the typical contemporary person's um, abusive relationships with their own creativity. And if we think of creativity as the deepest, one of the deepest yearnings of your soul, then it's kind of a big deal that you have, if you have, it is a big deal for you to have an abusive relationship with your creativity because it's then kind of close to saying you probably have a certain degree of abusive relationship with your own soul. And um, that that's not a path you want to go too far down. All right. So... So in, in my practice, the, the, in my own life, um, these are the, the main sort of groupings I see of people, a typical contemporary problematic relationships with creativity. The first is the degree to which we worry and as a result of the worrying, whine about things. That, that's number one. The next is... Uh, abuse in our relationship with creativity is a fear of failing Um, and that fear of failing justifies our constant abandonment of our relationship with creativity I'm afraid of failing so I'm stopping I'm running away I'm going to do something else the third one is coercing our creativity to align with our false self so forcing our creative self to continue to keep replicating what the false self needs replicated versus uh, getting our creativity on board with our authentic self and letting, letting the creativity truly be an expression of the yearning of our soul so we become uh, more and more aware of what it is our soul is longing for and more and more aware of what our soul's purpose is and more and more aligned with our authentic self. And then the the other one, the fourth one that I want to look at is um, it's not all that common, but when it shows up, it's a really strong pattern. And that is the kind of person who identifies with being a creative. So they don't worry about it. They're not afraid of failing, that, they, that they're very full and free in their creative life, but they have no idea what their purpose is. And so they're running their creative energy ragged in manifesting tons of creative and fabulous things but none of them nurture the person's soul because it's not what the heart is really longing to do and so so there's a sense of you know i'm a creative person and i thought i would stumble over my soul's purpose if i just kept creating it doesn't really work that way for everybody okay so worry that's our number one so It's not our number one as in the highest priority. It's just the first on our list. Okay. So for many of us, we have a constant running inner dialogue. And for many of us, that constant running inner dialogue is not very healthy. For many of us, that inner dialogue is a lot of worry. And worry is a misuse of creativity. I mean, where do you think the worrier gets his or her ideas that are running around in your head that you're worrying about, right? You make them up. They are created. So if they are created, then you use your creative energy to make up the idea that you're now worrying about. 
And this, the same is true for your controller, right? The same is true for your critic. The same is even true for your judge. That all of these voices that tend to be very strong rattling around in our mind are using our creative energy to make up these ideas that they're throwing around. And they are just making up stories. The worrier in particular is just creating what if stories. You know, but what if? Well, but, but, but what if this? But what if that? And, and, and then if this, then that, and the worry and the worry, right? It's all stories. And if it's a story, somebody created it. Right? And so it's using our creative energy to continue to manifest the story. And many of you would say, well, but wait a minute. These are pretty habitual stories. And that's true. They aren't very creative. What's creative is the constant reapplication of the old story to the new situation. You do all this work to get a new job, but ultimately recreate the same pattern. So if we look at the words of Pablo Picasso, who is – enormously prolific creative person in humanity's time here. Um, One of the things that Pablo Picasso is known for saying is that the chief enemy of creativity is good sense. (laughs) And um, so what makes you worry more than the tension between good sense and a good idea? You know, because good sense is based on what has worked, what has caused you pain in the in your life and learning from it? What has been beneficial and brought you praise and learning from it? And so there's this constant ongoing creation of um, good sense, which has to do with this mix of understanding the basic laws of physics and how they affect us as a person, the good sense of realizing if all I eat is Cadbury eggs and coffee all day long, I am going to lose my mind in three days and be completely insane. You know, they think this is good sense, that there's nothing wrong with good sense unless we're trying to be creative, you know, and so there's this tension, the warrior comes in and this tension between wanting to maintain the grounded, stable nature of good sense but wanting to leap into that new idea and how do we hold that dynamic tension and not collapse that tension into worry and dynamic tension spawns creativity holding the tension between what is and what could be is a is like a problem the intuition and the mind the heart the being keeps trying to solve so it spawns creative ideas how to do that but what worry does is it collapses it can't stand that dynamic tension and it collapses down it create worry and doubt and um, what ifs about the what could be and collapses that dynamic tension and and make sure we scurry back to good sense right and so it is in a in to a great degree, it is good sense and our desire to be in that stable place that drives the what-ifs. Now, good sense is really important in your decision-making in life. I can't tell you how many people ignore a good sense decision looking for some special magic shamanic answer where the good sense answer really is you just have to stop with the lactose 
because you're lactose intolerant. There isn't a shamanic magical answer for that. You just need to take out the cow dairy. It's just good sense for you, right? So there's nothing wrong with good sense. We need it in our decision making. However, it's not really so important when you're creating. Good sense is not so important. So I'm actually a master worrier. It is one of my great highly developed skills. Um, And it's always hard to set something we've developed well like being controlling or being a worrier or being judgmental. And we've gotten very good at these qualities. It's always hard to set them aside. So I'm right there with you. I also know that I have wasted tons, tons of creative energy worrying about all the many things that I actually in the end have ended up creating in my life. You know, so what if I hadn't wasted all that energy worrying and just put all that energy into the creation? You know, some days I really wonder. Um, But the point is I was such a good worrier and I put so much energy into the worrying while I was creating that I actually grew unaware of what my capacity to create and manifest really was. Um, because my perspective on myself and what I was doing was so shaped by the worrier. I didn't see myself as a creative person or someone who was good at manifesting. I, I actually saw myself as a worrier um, and I was damn good at it. And then um, several years ago, Nan Moss and uh, David, prior to his death, the, they were on the show here talking about their weather shamanism. And at the end of the show, we were, we were chatting, as I often do with the guests after, after we're off the air. And I said something, and Nan, Nan said to me, well, I can't believe you believe that, Christina. She said, I've always seen you as one of the best manifestors in our field. And I was shocked when she said that. And, I, and in that moment, well, I thanked her. But after we got done talking, I sat back and I said, you know what, warrior? I like Nan's reality better than mine. And I am going to do whatever it takes to adopt that reality and to see myself as Nan sees me because it's a better version of reality. And that's the point at which I really recognized the degree to which the worrier was uh, creating a really unhealthy relationship between my creative energy and myself. And I'm really grateful to Nan for her honesty. And it doesn't even matter whether Nan is right or whether I'm right. The point is it's a better version of reality to see yourself as someone who is creative and a manifester, especially if other people see that in you, than to go around worrying all the time about what hasn't happened yet. So the question then is how? How did I redirect the creative energy into the dreamer and manifester and out of the worrier, especially when I was really good at the worrying? In other words, how could anybody use the what ifs, you know, the worrier's litany of what ifs to change, to redirect your energy and your relationship from a masterful relationship with the worrier into a masterful relationship with creativity. So the main thing is, back to shamanism, tracking. Follow the what ifs. 
follow the actual logic of the what ifs. Because worry tends to be circular. Well, what if this? And then what if that? And then what if this? And then what if that? Around in circles. So follow it in a straight line. Well, if this, then that. If this, then that. And you and follow that logic out. Right? So in shamanic language, this is a form of tracking an energy. Track the energy of that worry. And what you'll find is one of two things. That trail will begin to peter out as it begins to reveal truly fantasy thinking. And for those of you, like myself, who think you're someone who is waking up, connected to the real energies, doing the good work, fighting the good fight, to realize you're shaping your day based on fantasy thinking is a humbling moment. It's a little moment of humility where you realize, wow, this is not good. I am allowing my own fantasy thinking to redirect my energy. But the point is the power of the worrier and the what if really peters out and grounds itself as you come face to face with the fantasy thinking. And then you can just deal with that fantasy, which you know is not true. It's not grounded in reality. Now, the other thing that can happen, though, as you follow the trail of the what ifs is that it will lead you to a legitimate fear that you are denying. That is the reason the worrier keeps worrying about something. So, and then you can explore what is either at the root of that fear or at the source of that fear. And this is, this is actually really important. So sometimes the what ifs can really take you in this way to pay dirt, to a fear that you are carrying that is contrary to that which you want to create and manifest, right? Okay, so the the next layer of that though from a shamanic perspective is also important so why does revealing fantasy thinking matter if we think about this in terms of shamanic practice because now we're entering into a realm of advanced shamanism and i don't talk about this all that much on the show because this is a podcast this is not a great vehicle for advanced shamanism but Working with the dreaming, meaning that energy that has been dreamt already and that it is, the, it is that energy that is resulting in the actual experience of reality that we are sharing. So the advanced shamanic practices are about working with that dreaming energy directly. So when we are fantasy thinking, which is lazy mental activity – Right to allow our fantasies to begin to run things, then that means we are directing the very energy that is manifesting reality through our fantasy thinking instead of true heart and soul dreaming. And that is how we, we end up participating in creating the very things out there in the world that we are worried about. That's how we are participating in their manifestation. Because whatever we are dreaming is manifesting. And so if I am not managing my dreams and I'm allowing my energy to go into fantasy thinking, then that energy, the fantasy thinking energy is manifesting as well. And so from a shamanic perspective, at a high level shamanic work, that's absolutely unthinkable. right? Because now you are actually creating the very problems you are invested in solving in your life. 
So stopping your fantasy thinking is actually every bit as important ultimately at that next level of awareness than ferreting out fears that you're carrying and working to unravel those fears. And it's, it's, it's deeply important because it is a way that we waste energy and we waste the energy of manifestation in particular. And frankly, the world out there is tired of that, is tired of us doing that, is tired of us not growing up, becoming spiritual adults and taking responsibility for our fantasy thinking and, and aligning ourselves in a, from a mature place with being dreamers because we're never not. We're always dreaming or fantasy thinking. And so the question is, are you going to grow up enough to really ferret out the fantasy thinking and focus your power as a dreamer on the true dream? You know, like how are we going to become the new people for the new world? Tell a, tell a new story for a new world. We have to change our dreaming for that. And for those of us that are living and we're shaped by old an old dreaming, this is actual work. We need to grow up and become skilled and actually do this on purpose. Right? So that's why something as subtle or simple or not really considered such a big problem like the worrier is actually a really big deal, especially when we're talking about creating. So moving on. So another aspect of how our mind um, sort of dysfunctions in our mind or our mental relationship with our creativity um, can get in the way, can, can uh, distort our relationship with creativity is um, outright fear of failure. Not just worrying about failure but outright fear of failure and versions of fear of failure are fear of making a mess, right? fear of upsetting a certain kind of harmony. Right? Fear of chaos. It's another thing that keeps us from creating because making a mess, moving into chaos and making mistakes and failing are all parts of creating. And anyone who is truly um, active as a creative person in their life knows this, that failing, making a mess, being in chaos, not knowing what's going on, making big mistakes, this is all part of active creative energy. If you have the expectation um, that you will be able to create, for example, like a lawyer does lawyer work where they have to cross every T and dot every I. That is the nature of the law of being a lawyer, right? That has to happen there. But if you try to go at being a creative person with that same expectation of perfection, you never create a damn thing because you have to be willing to make a mess, to fall apart. So – There are people of a certain generation, a little bit older than me, particularly women, but men as well, who got raised with a very strong um, bias around what is a correct soul's purpose for a woman and what is a correct soul's purpose for a man. And this, this was fairly rigidly enforced, particularly in parts of America that weren't like Hollywood and New York and probably Portland and I don't know, Miami, you know, places where there's on the coast, there's greater interface with, with different ideas. 
But there's lots of places in America. It's a big place. It's got a lot of people. And there's a lot of places where this whole male-female thing was really drilled down on this generation. And what I find in working with them in their soul retrieval work is they can integrate transformation, soul retrieval, integration, all of these things to a certain level. And then beyond that level, the integration stops. So it's like there's an inner core of self that they can't get at because they would have to fall apart to get there. And they refuse to fall apart because male or female not falling apart is a definition of being a good man or a good woman. And there's a very stoic aspect, a very um, puritanical aspect. And unfortunately, this is keeping that generation from the true transformation that they're looking for. And, and more importantly, as they're moving into their elder years, it is absolutely keeping them from becoming true elders when they certainly have the life experience and the work in this uh, human potential movement and transformational time to do it, but because they will not become messy. They will not fall apart. They will not let it all come tumbling down so that they can put it back together again differently. They're stuck. And it's very sad to see. And so this fear of failure, fear of making a mess, fear of entering into chaos, fear of doing it wrong really uh, limits our relationship with our creativity, with our ability to imagine being a different person. So psychologically speaking, we accept these as normal human fears. Yes, everybody is fear of failure. This, This is like a normal psychological acceptance. But shamanically speaking, fears are something we can track. And fear is something we either want to discover the root of because that will show us where we're not really fully showing up for ourselves or fear is something that has a source that can show us where we're in a state of soul loss. So the source of the fear is actually coming out of the soul loss. So tracking our fears can lead us directly to soul loss. It can also lead us directly to something that is not soul loss but it is another way that we are not able to show up for ourselves fully. So Matisse, inarguably uh, another enormously creative human being, said creativity takes courage. And I believe that this is, this is what that statement is about. It takes enormous courage to be in fear and do it anyway. There's a quote uh, with... George O'Keefe flying around the internet right now about I've been in terror every day of my life and I, hadn't, and I haven't let it stop me from doing anything that I want to do. Right, so this is about an artist's relationship with their fear. Yeah, they feel fear, so what? That, the, that their relationship with fear doesn't keep them from engaging in their creative life. So the question is, what if it does for you? What if your fear of failure does keep you out of your creative life? So it's important to remember that at the same time, all of us were children at some point in time. And some of us had pretty crappy childhoods. I get that. But if you think about a child that's basically left to their own devices, right? they go through a big phase where their creativity is not, does not require courage. 
So it's just called being a kid. It's just called growing up. So what changed? Why does creativity require such courage for adults? So, you know, the average kid, learning to walk is a creative process. Learning to talk is a creative process. Learning about the world around you is a creative process. That through discovering, through exploring, through questioning, through playing, you were doing creative things, sometimes things you hadn't done the day before. And this was all just called being a kid, exploring your world, learning how to walk, learning how to talk, learning how to become a grown-up, ultimately. So it means that when you were a kid, you were uncertain all the time. It didn't stop you. You were just fine being in the unknown because it was sort of an expectation of being a kid. So you're in the unknown. So what? I'm a kid. So no one expected anything else from you. And that's a really important part of understanding how we get into this situation where creativity takes enormous courage. As a kid, people are just expecting you to learn to walk, learn to talk and grow up. Right? And as long as they don't heap enormous expectations on you, you can be in that space for a long time and creativity doesn't take an ounce of courage. It just takes being a kid, playing, living, doing. But as we start as a child to take on expectations from others, then that freedom to be creative and not fail starts to change. And that's where creativity begins to become an act of courage. So, every day was create creativity filled with new things, new ideas, new games, new imaginings when we were a kid. So, we can track the source of the fears that arise when we're trying to be creative now as grown-ups um, with questions similar to, show me when I learn to be afraid to make a mess. Or... Show me when I learn to be afraid to make a mistake. Show me when I learn to be afraid of chaos. Show me when I learn to be afraid of failing. So these things happen to most of us, right? And they likely happened at vastly different ages. And they depend on the story of your life. Um... The next question then, once you've been shown this though, is are these memories, because it's going to take you into memories, because you're, you're being asked to be shown something from your past, from your childhood. So the next question to explore with your helping spirits is are these memories something that can be cleared and released? Can I release this energy held by this small self that is holding this and then draw that energy back of the self? Or are these memories of times that created soul loss? And if you determine with your helping spirits that, that these, these questions take you to memories that are about times of soul loss, then you need to contact a reliable shamanic healer and get your soul retrieval and get it done now. There's no point in messing around with it. So sometimes these explorations of the root of the fear show us patterns where we're just not showing up fully. It's not necessarily soul loss. But we're, we're not able to show up fully. So you can ask directly. So show me what is at the root of my fear of whatever it is. Fill in the blank. Um, and that's always a good journey question. So what you find will then lead you to the next questions. You know, what questions need to happen then to uproot 
this fear. And so ultimately, you, you want to get to a place where you can take actions in your life to clear what is at the root of this fear so that it no longer rises up to block you from the use of your creative energy. Now, let me have a little caveat in here. It will not work. So you're at the root of your fear. It will not work to just call your helping spirit in and have them blast it and, and disappear it. That this, this kind of stuff we're talking about is built of choices that you have made. What your helping spirits can help you do is get to what needs to happen inside of you to unmake that choice. But, the, but to change these kinds of things is not something the spirits can just do for you. You, know, you do all this work to locate it and then they do you know, shamanic fantasy magic. It doesn't work that way. That these have to do with your own choices and you have to learn to get to the part of yourself that chose it and unchoose it. Draw that energy back and let it become neutral part of you again and go forward in different ways. And the reason for this is because this is another quote that I found out there. I don't know who said it. The only unique contribution that we will ever make in this world will be born of our creativity. You know, and this is really the essence of my teaching work. Is I truly believe from my study of shamanic cultures, but also my own experience of being a human, that the only thing we do that is truly unique and that is our, our greatest act of service to life is the thing that we are uniquely here to do. And because it is unique, because no one has done it before, it is by definition a creative act. And because it's ours to do, it's our creative act to do. So our relationship with our creativity is hugely important. So the flip side of this fear of failure, fear of making a mess thing, is is the kind of person I talked about in the beginning of the show, where this person identifies with being a creative person. They, they're not afraid to create. They're just a font of constant creativity. And they expect this of themselves. They, their fear doesn't stop them. They're creating constantly. They can do many things well, and they have done many things well. And they identify with being creative or a creative, right? That, that there's, their sense is, I am an artist, right? But in that identification, there is a subtle arrogance that keeps them creating all the time, but always creating one step removed from that which really makes their hearts sing. That which is truly the soul's purpose. Because many of these creative people come to me and say, you know, I've been creating my whole life and I just assumed if I kept creating, I would stumble over my soul's purpose. So, so this, this is the kind of creative person then who doesn't know what his or her soul's purpose is. And when you ask um, what of all of those things they've done they feel most passionate about, it's all the same. Because it hasn't been a, a life of creativity that involved feeling intimately and deeply. It was just about the identity, the identity as a creative person. So this type of person often says something like, I thought if I just kept creating, I would stumble over it. It would come to me. And that's the, the real heart of that. What I was saying is the subtle arrogance that it would come to me. You know, our soul's purpose comes from us. 
not to us. It requires that we live in intimacy with ourself, with our heart, and with our soul, and that we know what we truly have passion for. We don't say, well, I just have passion for everything. Well, but there's something that you have a deep and intimate passion for. And so our soul's purpose comes from us, not to us. So this identification with being a creative is kind of, can, can for some people be an excessive state that is always producing, but never producing the thing that makes our hearts sing. And this uh, creates a deficient state in the person, right? And so they're, what they're producing starts to come into this false yang expression because there's no yin cultivated through doing what really makes the heart sing. So it's always producing, but never sinking that energy back in, being still, being silent, dedicating the time to not being creative, right? Because they're identified with being creative. So they don't go into these times of not being creative that are nutritive times. Um, and so that balance with creative energy is important that we can be in excess, that many of us deal with the scarcity in that relationship, but others can be stuck in an excessive expression. So Dorothy Parker said that creativity is a wild mind and a disciplined eye. And, and to me, this speaks to that um, complementary dualism in, a, in right relationship with creativity is, is we have these, this crazy, fearless, wild mind, but yet this disciplined eye. That, that disciplined eye is what is coming out of the heart and the soul and the yin energy that says, but this is what I deeply have passion for. This is the critical piece right here. This is what I know is true. And so the way out of that for the person in this sort of excess of creative state is, is simply to nourish the yin, to learn practices that sink the yang, creative, excessive energies back into the yin, like qigong or tai chi or some sort of practice, right? Nourish the heart and soul, move deeper into the emotions, what makes you laugh, cry, sing, grieve. Actually working through um, Damini's book on the lands uh, painting the landscape of your soul would be a great remedy for that to work through the whole book. As someone who's creative, there should be sort of no resistance to doing that other than coming up on this, this resistance to dropping more intimately into your life. And the important thing then is to find the passion that only you possess and create from that place or not at all. You know, have really have that sense around your creative life. And so the, the final thing I think on my list here of the ways that we really abuse our relationship with creativity is when we tell ourselves stories about who we are, and I mean the stories by telling ourselves stories, I mean the way you see reality and the way you see yourself in reality. That's your big story, right? So we tell ourselves stories that often coerce our creativity into alliance with the false self. And we create our life through a litany that runs in our minds about who we are, what we can do, what we can't do, what it means to create, what it means to know your purpose, what it means to use your power in the world. That we have all of this 
kind of um, inner gatekeeping around that. Uh, but all of that inner gatekeeping is held in stories and they are all just stories. And so the question is, what stories do you tell yourself? So it's important as you think about these stories, you tell yourself to remember something as fundamental as this opening quote. The desire to create is one of the deepest yearnings of the human soul. So any story you tell yourself about who you are or how the world is that keeps you from creating as an expression of the yearning of your soul is a, is a lie story. And you need to stop telling yourself that story. So instead, you know, what stories do you tell yourself about what you yearn for, right? What stories do you tell yourself about your deepest longings? <clears throat> what stories fill your mind? I mean, I've talked a couple times on the show about my own spontaneous shamanic initiatory experience that happened in Man Manhattan. But for two years prior to that, one story filled my mind. Why am I here? What is my purpose? And, and I had one skill, which was a clearing skill, to just keep clearing away all other stories that defined an answer to that that was too small that that this shamanic initiatory experience didn't just come out of nowhere that I worked this quote without knowing I was doing it that the desire to create is one of the deepest yearnings of the human soul I wanted to know what was my soul here to create and I wanted an answer now and I stayed with that. That was the story that I told myself day after day, night after night, sobbing, wretched, you know, moody, depressed, all those many things, wanting to find a story that supported my authentic self. Not all these stories I'd taken on about my false self. So the question is what stories fill your mind? I found a quote, clean out the corners of your mind and creativity will instantly fill it. This was a quote by D. Hook. So ask your helping spirits to show you the stories you tell yourself about power and about who you are. And then journey with your helping spirits into your own mind. What shape do your stories take in there? What would it take to clean it out as if your mind were a space with the stories logged in there in some way what would it take to clean out the corners of your mind so that creativity could instantly fill it you could journey about this and go back again and again so what practice then could you do daily as part of your altar practice to keep your mind clear and clean and open for the creativity to fill it and then when you have that understanding, make that creative offering. Creativity is not a temple to be worshipped at. It is like the blood moving through your veins as you worship. It is like the sweat that cleanses while you work hard. It is like the tears that flow when you witness the sacred in joy and heartbreak. Creativity is not a scarce resource. Creativity is your nature. It is everywhere in humanity as natural as blood moving, sweat cleansing, and tears flowing. 
Creativity is not a temple to be worshipped at. It is you being human. It is you allowing your humanity to come to bear on this life. Creativity is not a temple to be worshipped at. Creativity is you worshipping life. Creativity is an offering to life. Make it. So I give thanks to the help the helping spirits who tirelessly help us to make this offering to life the creativity of our own soul. I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. So there's lots of classes happening as we move into the workshop season. They can be found at lastmaskcenter.org. The clearing practice I talk about I talked about today and I talk about all the time here on the show, is happening in Portland, April 17th through 19th. You can register now through the website. Um, This is the only class scheduled for this year. So if you want to learn this skill, I would suggest that you register now. And Massive Illusion and the Authentic Self, the gateway into the cycle teachings, is also available to register. Um, That class is happening July 5th through 10th in Tucson, Arizona. And you can register for all of this now at Last Mask Center. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.